been about eight years since Mark Andreessen wrote one of, uh, I think, most one of the most important essays that you could read to understand what I feel is like the fundamental shift in uh, work and, I guess, society in, at large. And it's his essay. It's called Why Software is Eating the World. And now he appears on the A16Z podcast and he's to, uh, to talk about software has eaten the world and kind of just how he thinks about it today, eight years later. So he starts off talking about, like, why did he write the essay? He says, listen, my basic observation was that the modern tech industry is about 70 years old. It was started when there were, like, five computers on Earth. Over the last 70 years, we figured out how to pack supercomputer technology that used to cost $25 million into a $500 product that we all have. There was a 70-year journey to get everyone a computer and onto the Internet. So it's logical to ask, what is next? And actually linked to the essay, uh, his original 2011 essay, if you haven't read it, uh, it's there for you in the email. So it's, uh, it serves as like the basis for, for this entire podcast. So like, what's going to happen now that everybody's connected and everybody has these computers and in many cases we carry it around with us all the time. So um, he talks about like why he, one of the reasons he wrote the, the essay is, <clears throat> excuse me, was that after the financial crisis in 2007, 2008, 2009, there was like a prevailing mood of pessimism about the economy and then the technology industry. And his view, he says, my view is the exact opposite. Not only are we not done, we are just beginning. So he says, everybody's connected to the internet and as a byproduct of that, connected to an entire universe of services, information, communications. To me, this is just the beginning. So now you should think about what can we do on top of all that? And so he says in his essay, in my essay, I had three claims. The first claim, and uh, this is, was rather controversial, and I think still probably is for, for the general population. And he says, uh, first claim, any product or service in any field that can become a software product will become a software product. The next claim, any company that is in any of these markets in which this process is happening has to become a software company. That's a really, I think that's maybe the most interesting um, claim. But he, he says the next claim is the most audacious. So claim three, as a consequence of claim one and two, in the long run, in every market, the best software company will win. So he says this, meaning claim three, is tricky because software is different. Software is a different kind of product to develop than most people are used to. The culture of a software company is different. The kind of people you need to hire to build software are different. And he gives some examples of like what what is like a specific way this 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 thesis could apply to an industry that's been around for a long time. So he says there's 500 self-driving startups within 50 miles of here. What those founders will tell you is that 90% of the values of cars within a few years will be software. Those cars will be electric. They won't. Have, and this is such an interesting idea. That's why I highlighted it in the email. They won't have all the internal combustion components that these car companies have spent. A hundred years optimizing. Uh, he says, when we started the firm 10 years ago, I would never imagine we would, we'd uh, be investing in new car companies. And why is that? Because the car industry was an entrepreneurial industry, meaning filled with startups, in like 1890. Um, there were hundreds of new American car companies in the early 1900s, and then they shrunk to basically three. I've read a bunch of books. Most uh, I've covered, I think, three or four for Founders Podcast so far on this because I find... That time in history to be interesting, and that industry specifically, because it's just changed the geography of the world. Like, how many products actually change the geography of the world? A handful that I could think of. And uh, the people that were these entrepreneurs that were starting these car companies, they're, they're crazy people. And I mean that in the most uh, loving way possible. Like, I love crazy weirdos. 
and um, I'm I'm gonna definitely dig into a bunch of new uh, biographies on the people. Like the Dodge Brothers is one that I'm looking at right now um, because those they were they're fascinating people. Um, it's changing gears here. It talks about like you know you could you could be working. There's gonna be a bunch of companies trying to solve a solution for a long time, and then just timing changes and suddenly the company that's still keeping at it or maybe started after all these other people failed have success so an example that he uses spotify so he says a lot of vcs did not like it like a16z um did not invest in spotify because there was this 15-year history that all the other attempts to do a spotifying was spotify was doing had failed but the time had actually come that's just a weird thing that we just can't control um, you know, timing and, and when the market is ready for the product, like you don't control that. Um, there are entire companies, I love this idea, there are entire companies called API companies that build software building blocks that you can plug together. This is specific the idea, like it, it is this constant process of everybody building on everyone else's creativity. The result is everything rises. He's mentioned this on a few other podcasts, but I thought it was interesting, so I included it in the notes again. We started to see this new kind of founder, this hybrid type. For example, a PhD in biology that has been programmed with computers since they were young. We didn't know what uh, we didn't know quite what to make of these. So, calls them hybrid founders, people that have basically dual sets of high high skills in two different areas. And if you combine those, you can c- come up with new products and services that other people just aren't thinking about. Um, this is something I've also um, discovered in reading all these biographies is a lot of the best companies, he says in Silicon Valley, I would say this applies to areas outside of that as well, are founded by people who have one or two significant failures before they found the winner. Um, classic example of this, everybody knows who Walt Disney uh, is. They understand the, 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 the gigantic and successful company he made. Not many people know that he, when he launched his first company in Kansas City, that he actually went bankrupt. Uh, history is filled with examples like that. Uh, big companies are going to do the obvious ideas. We, meaning entrepreneurs, are going to do, uh, that means we're stuck with the non-obvious stuff. If not a big company, if it was obvious, a big company would deploy people and, and money that entrepreneurs starting out don't have. So you have to focus on the non-obvious stuff, the controversial stuff, the stuff that is not proven. There's a risk with each and everything we do, but when it works, it can get really big. I love this part. He used Steve Jobs as an example, but people can't visualize new products on their own. You have to paint a picture. The picture has to be vivid. A lot of companies uh, that have a problem. Oh, then this, this is I love this idea. And this is the last thing he says. Um, a lot of companies that have a have a problem. Excuse me. A lot of companies. Let me delete that. A lot of companies have a problem that I call too hungry to eat. You have a great product. Your customers really want it, but you are charging very little money for it. Usually these are naive founders who don't quite understand business. They think if they charge less, they will sell more, but they charge less and, uh, but they charge less and that is why they sell less. The reason is they don't charge enough for the product. They aren't getting enough revenue back into the company. They aren't getting enough calories. In this case, uh, think of calorie dollars as calories into the company. They get stuck. And so his advice is counterintuitive. In a lot of cases, the right answer is to raise prices. It's weird. 